You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present The Sandman Lullaby with your host, Patrick Sean Jones. The dreams of a dreamer are life's drops that pass, the break in the heart to the soul's hourglass. The songs of the singer are tones that repeat the cry of the heart till it ceases to beat. lullaby here on RPA. Yeah, that's the Real Paranormal Activity Network. Hey, I'm sorry I've been out for uh, a couple weeks. I think it's been about three weeks or so. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do a lot of my uh, recording in the studio here in Tampa. And uh, my car, uh, my other half, decided uh, to do a curb check. And uh, a lot of you might realize you can't hit a curb going like uh, 40 miles an hour and not worry about structural damage to your car. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm dealing with right now. So regardless, regardless, I made it to the studio and I'd like to introduce you to a guest that I have in the studio. Her name is Stephanie. Stephanie, you could actually say hello. Hello there. Stephanie. (laughs) She is a music journalist. She is also a published novelist. Yes, I am. So how did you get in this little world of uh, writing? Since I was very young, um, I... Well, let's put it this way. I was an avid reader by the time I could learn how to read, and... Shortly after that, I just started writing, but, you know, at the time I was probably seven years old, and I think my first story was about a turtle who had no friends, 
so I have advanced in my writing so, so, skills. Hold, hold on, let me let me jump back on this. First, okay, your first story was about a turtle that had no friends. Yes. Then you went into serial killers. Yes. How did that happen? Um, uh, my interests became a lot more morbid thanks to horror Did you films. kill your turtle or something like that? I did not. I mean, I killed that story because <laughs> <laughs> that story was uh, written by a seven-year-old, so I think you could, you Okay, know. <laughs> okay, okay. We could, we could let that go by. Okay. Yeah. Seven-year-olds do something like that really nice, <laughs> and they usually don't write about serial killers and stuff like that. So what got you interested in serial killers? Well, it all goes back to horror films. Um, I decided, uh, well, back when I was, you know, younger, that's when torrenting was before, well, now we have streaming, but, you know, back in the day, you would illegally download your horror films. So my brother and I thought it would be so cool to download, you know, Rob Zombie movies and um, all this stuff, because that's when he uh, first came out with, with House of a Thousand Corpses. So. Right. Here I am, you know, little Stephanie, watching a very graphic, violent film, and it made me feel like nothing else had ever felt before, and ever since then, I just became hooked on that feeling, so I just dug into the world of horror, and also with uh, extreme metal, which um sure will talk about that later because uh, metal or heavy music also made me feel that same you know I was just shocked by this media that I was consuming but I liked that feeling so I just kept digging and digging and digging but now I'm almost desensitized to that shock aspect but now I just like it (laughs) now I just like the films and well some horror films still get me some of these newer ones are really and even some of the classics like Salo and all those films are still very um you know they get to me but uh there are some new ones uh like Martyrs that's a good example that just you know really shakes you to your core because uh, it's so graphic it's so out there it's so violent and the stories themselves just really captivate you but uh yeah but no for, for the most part I just like horror and metal and all that stuff so what do you think about the originality of horror well that's a funny um thing to say because well i was just having a conversation with a friend about this earlier and because it seems like a lot of modern horror is just it's very redundant it's very like oh it's uh here's a cult that's sacrificing somebody or oh here's a zombie plague or you know it's like it's all been done before and right um, so when a new film comes out that's really original and um, kind of takes, or even if they take an idea and then kind of turn it into something else, it's really, um, it, it really impresses me. But overall, you know, looking back to some of, you know, even like Night of the Living Dead, you know, think back at that time when, you know, a zombie plague film right. back however many decades ago was unheard of. And... The fact, you know, and I can imagine seeing that film, you know, I mean, I don't know if it premiered in theaters back in the day, but seeing that film in the very first time during the premiere just, you know, it had to have been the most shocking, terrifying thing. And um, I think there is a lot of originality in horror. There is a lot of um, ideas. There's a lot of room for creativity. And, um, you know, whether you just have a 
weird, crazy thought. Or like, for example, with Mary Shelley with Frankenstein, the story came to her in a dream and she had a, a network of other intellects of other writers and she, you know, told the story to them and they all you know, poop their pants. They're so scared. <laughs> so she was like, okay, she just wrote a whole book about it. So like, you know, whether it's an original idea that comes to you in a dream or whether you take a, you know, an already uh, kind of manufactured um, uh, genre and you kind of put your own twist on it. Like I was just watching this film Mandy the other day it has Nicholas Cage in and it's like a, a very Manson inspired cult, but uh, it's very psychedelic and violent, and Nicolas Cage actually did a great job. I'm very hit or miss with his work, but um, yeah, that was a phenomenal film. So you can, um, you know, do kind of like have a unique twist on, you know, like a cult, like a movie or a Manson type of thing that's, um, you know, been done before and before, but you can still make a really good film or really good story out of it. Or I think that there is a lot of. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say, there's a lot of creativity with horror. Um, so, and there's a lot of originality, but unfortunately there are the redundant stories, but that exists in every genre. So with the horror, does it, is it more hack and slash or is it just splatter or is it the mystery of seeing something that you really can't describe, which is more of a horror? Um, I think it's all of the above, but it also depends on the actual film. Like, if you want to take a film like a Serbian film, where that film is specifically for the shock value. That's right. for, you know, being as offensive and pushing the boundaries. But then if you want to focus on the mystery aspect, like, I think a good example of... Um, I, I would actually say all Giallo films, um, you know, um, going back to Mario Bava and where... Um, What's the film where there's the killer, he was wearing the mask? I can't think of the film off the top of my head. All movies wear masks. <laughs> but there was, like, one in particular. It was, like, a white mask. And it was a, um, like, a fashion photography or, like, a model house. And he was just killing off all these models. I can't remember the film's name. I'll, I, I have it on DVD. I'll, but anyway. So, like, a film like that where it's, you know, you have to... Like really watch the film, dig into the film to find out what's going on, and then you can find all the you know different side stories of all the characters and everything. So even something like that is violent, but there also is like a mystery to it. So yeah, and um, yeah, I guess it depends. But um, I think every single story just kind of has the, its strengths that you know whether it's only for the shock value or if there is like a deeper meaning or deeper mystery to the story you well, know well what about sanity does uh your research doing you know because most most writers and everything they mm -hmm. do in-depth research of the subject matter that they're practicing at mm -hmm. and but a lot of that stuff is really you know that's it's not really normal for the atypical person to view like bodies and do research on stuff like that how does that affect your sanity would you say um, I don't, uh, sanity isn't a good word. It's just more so I wonder if the Google police is, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're looking at mass killings, you know, you wonder what's going to show up on your uh, Google feed. <laughs> right. So, no, that's, that's one question like that. But how does it affect you actually personally, do you think? Do you? I mean, violence happens. You know, I've learned a long time ago to not be scared of these things. You know, I know that 
my intentions looking into or researching this material is, I mean, I don't want to say it's, um, I'm doing it or I'm a good person, you know, I don't want to say I'm, I'm morally researching this, but it's more for a specific cause rather than because, you know, with all the serial killer documentaries, you know, a lot of people watch these for pleasure and I particularly don't like hearing about real stories about people getting murdered or researching serial killers for the pleasure of it because it's like these are terrible people who did awful things and destroyed or well took lives and destroyed families and you know I don't think that's something to be fetishized but for you know I but for like uh what a dissecting house is about it's about a serial killer she's a woman and um, I had to do a lot of research not only on other serial killers and, you know, whether it's, you know, um, some were gender specific, like there's Eileen, I can't remember her name. Um, you know, there, there are not many woman killers. That's why I wrote one or wrote a novel about a woman killer, because um, even though I try not to get too gendery with the film, but, you know, in some ways I had to because that you know, I had to contribute to the story in that way. So, um, so I had to research other, or just women in general who killed, but also had to research, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer and, um, Ted Bundy and all of the major killers and also some of the psychology because another, um, major character was, is a criminal psychologist. Um, and the story or a bit, half of the story is the dialogue between, um, my main character, Mina, the killer, and her psychologist, where she's, because um, how the story unfolds is she's already arrested, and she's talking to the psychologist because he's trying to get her to confess, so then she starts to go into some of her past kills, and it kind of goes back and forth between what happened with her kills and then what, or her, I guess, the current or the present tense, which is she's talking to the psychologist so from a psychological standpoint I had to research um you know I guess kind of what he's thinking and how he's diagnosing her and how he's interpreting what she's saying so I kind of went from the insane psychopathic views to a more um uh I don't want to say educated um I guess a more um by the book you know who she is what she is, why she's thinking this way, what led her to this. So I guess, yeah, I had, uh, I did, I did do a lot of research, um, but yeah. Who can you more identify with though? Do you more identify with the killer or do you identify with the criminal investigator? Definitely the investigator because I did not want to make my killer out to be a, um, like a moral person like i didn't want to make her out to be like a um um like a good guy so um i can't really think of another word because you know now that we're in a major feminist movement where a lot of you know gender issues are becoming in the light and or in the public i should say and so i had a feeling that some of the readers you know especially if they're women might feel like they relate to the killer and i try to you know will not only make it as gory and disgusting as possible because that's horror and I like that stuff, but kind of her motives, um, there are a few because she's, well, she pretty much targets men. Um, and some of the, um, guys she killed were, you know, scumbags. Like there's a, a politician who cheated on his wife, you know, some, 
um, some characters like that that she um, offed in the in the book, but others were just normal guys. You know, met her at a bar, met her at a restaurant. She takes them home, you know, kills them. So um, I. I guess that was my goal is to try to make her as terrible of a human being as possible, like all these other serial killers we all know. So that's why I relate more to the psychologist, but I also kind of try to humanize him a little bit and not just so he's not like a, you know, bookish, like psychologist, professional, try to give him like he secretly is in love with her. And I tried to not make that as obvious, but kind of, throw in little details about that because I feel like he is more human and I think that's why I relate to him more than her when you were writing this did you get any of the ideas while you were sleeping in your dreams when it came forward no um I don't even remember how I came up with the idea it just had um well I think a lot of it is when I um was really looking into you know some of the gender aspects of horror and I you know, and there, you know, she's not the very the first female killer in horror. You know, look into films like I Spit on Your Grave, you know, where there was a very prominent um, female assailant. But there has never, or at least from what I have noticed, been a psychopathic female killer who whose drive is not on revenge or it's not on, you know, it's just... She's well, you just... got Bathory that was back there during well, the yeah. medieval ages, and she was basically taking baths and virgin blood. Well, yeah, well, that's that, that that's a real-life story. I'm talking yeah, about, like, yeah. the horror genre, like the fiction, like, think of, like, the major serial killer or the killers like Jason, Michael, etc. Right. Yeah, there's never really been a prominent female um, other than... Like, you know, I'm thinking a major film like I Spit on Your Grave, that's more of like a revenge horror. Uh, that's not, you know, just someone who just kills for the sake of killing. And that's what I wanted to go with in my character. But also there has not been or that I will. I mean, in, I guess on the opposite end of the spectrum, have men been killed in horror novels? Yes. But does the killer specifically target men? No, you know, it's always women. It's always the male killer or the masked killer, and he, you know, hacks off the gorgeous women. So I kind of wanted to twist the tables a little bit, you know, have men be the ones who are stalked and killed. And, um, you know, and of course they have no idea. They're like, cool, I'm going to take this hot chick home with me and get laid. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to your dreams, what do you what would you say? Do you have more nightmares, or do you have more beautiful running through the forest and just jumping around with fairies and everything like that? No, the ratio between good and bad dreams. Actually, I don't really get bad dreams that often. Really? Um, yeah, surprisingly. Seriously, I because in, in the doing <laughs> writing like this and uh, talking to a lot of metal bands, and you know, because most of the the lyrics and everything are usually darker, darker, mm. darker type of things. It's like you were talking to me earlier about a band that you really liked. It's called Hate mm -hmm. from Poland. And uh, one thing that I've noticed about a lot of European or Eastern European bands, I mean, it's just dark. I mean, just there's some dark, right. dark music. I mean, does that filter or does that is that the type of music that you like when you're out there interviewing the bands also? Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as metal's concerned, I definitely prefer the more extreme stuff. Uh, I mean, as I've been saying 
time and time again, this whole night, Death is my favorite band. I also love Cannibal Corpse. Well, Tampa Death Metal bands are my favorite, but um, yeah, as far as the you know, the more extreme, the crazier stuff, yeah, that's what, as far as Metal Ghost is what I prefer. Have you ever seen a ghost before? I I actually have a very interesting story, or uh, uh, experiences, I should say, with ghosts. The only paranormal anything I ever experienced was um, was after my dad died. I haven't seen his spirit, but it's more I felt his presence. Well, actually, you mentioned dreams. Can I talk about a crazy dream that I sure. had? So this was Christmas Eve. I'll never forget this. Because, um, well, I guess to answer more about your dream question, I usually don't have dreams, but this was a very, very vivid dream. And I was driving... I think it, like it was I four. It was it was an interstate. Like think of like a um, major interstate like that. So I'm driving on I four, and I take an exit, and it's one of those you know like truck stop exits with like restaurants and gas stations. Mm-hmm. So I take a random exit like um, off I four, whatever interstate I was driving on. I stop at a restaurant, and my dad's there. And at the time I had this dream, it was probably maybe two years two three years after he uh, after he died so i stop at a restaurant and you know my dad's there i meet him for lunch and he and i are talking and you know having a good time and everything we're catching up or whatever i don't really remember exactly what we're talking about i just remember having lunch with him and then uh after lunch we said our goodbyes get into my car drive off and go the opposite way on the interstate and i wake up and Wow. It's the symbolism that really got to me because, you know, and I've done some research on dreams and that one of the theories I heard is that you're, you know, the dreamlike state or the, um, I guess the universe or wherever that you, that your mind is in when you're dreaming is kind of the area between life and death. So that's all the symbolism, like me getting to the car, driving the interstate, stopping at a random exit, meeting my dad. It's like we're meeting halfway because that's always been... I have family who live in Orlando, so that's why I was thinking it might have been I-4 because how I would meet up with them is... Um, not my dad, but other family members is, you know, we get on I-4, we meet at, like, a Cracker Barrel or some restaurant that's right there off I-4, one of those truck stop exits. We meet for lunch, and, you know, then we'd be back home or... And kind of like a halfway meetup so that's what i was really thinking is you know we're just kind of halfway through our universes a lot of people don't know this about uh central florida that i-4 goes from basically tampa all the way to like uh what is it daytona beach and it's actually one of the most dangerous uh highways in florida more people have died in that highway than any other highway in florida Mm -hmm. what about uh sleep uh Sleep paralysis. Hey, how did you know I was getting to that? Well, when I was talking about um, all my research with dreams and everything, because I'm actually working on a different book, um, and it's more up your alley. It's more paranormal and everything, but one of the characters has sleep paralysis, so that's why I was Ah. researching. Yeah, sleep paralysis and coming up with theories of, you know, like your dreams are halfway between this world and 
the afterlife and everything. So yeah. So do have you ever suffered sleep paralysis? Fortunately, no, because it sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody I talked to that actually Ugh. went through it is very terrifying. Uh, what yeah. about astral projection? Have you ever went anywhere where you've been sleeping and th- thought you traveled and visited somebody? No, but an ex-boyfriend of mine told me he did. And he said it was... Well, he said he did it, I think, twice. He said the first time he did it, it was really cool. But he said the second time he did it, it was just weird and he felt uncomfortable and scared because he told me it feels like you're dying. Right. And, um, but yeah, so I've never really had any interest. I mean, it's cool. It's amazing how, you know, our soul or, or um, our other body can kind of go off and explore. But who's your favorite writer? Well, that's a good question. I probably have to say Lovecraft, but I there's a bunch of other writers. Uh, Laurel K. Hamilton is another writer. She inspired me greatly. She's the writer who told because I was always told with writing, don't write too much violence, don't write too much sex. And Laurel K. Hamilton, that is all she writes about. So she inspired me. I can go. I can push the boundaries. Is there any sex in your book, by the way? There is plenty of rape. Oh, is there? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is the not good sex, but it's... Oh, so she rapes the guys? Yes. Oh. Well, there is, there's a couple times the sex starts out consensual, and then the guy quickly realizes that this is not what this chick is about. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh. Actually, you did a flip-flop on that one. Uh, if you can go anywhere and any time and time and space and meet anybody in time and space... In your dreams, who would it be and why? Chuck Schuldiner, um, because I worship death, <laughs> the, the band Death. I worship that band. Uh, who else? H.P. Lovecraft, uh, Mary Shelley. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's more, but yeah, those are really the names that come to mind. Okay. So uh, tell me the name of the book again. Is Dissecting House. Dissecting House. And yes. where can they get that book at? Um, as of right now, you can get it on Amazon. Just search Dissecting House. I made sure it is the only book title on Amazon, or the only book on Amazon with that title. Actually, that sounds like a good name. I really yeah. like that. I really like that. I, I, I toyed with a few different names, but yeah, there is a little bit of an analogy there. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Dissecting House, um, you can get it in both ebook and print. It actually has, I just recently... Um, released it in print probably like a week ago so um but i'm trying to get it on more platforms it's right now i'm only a an, an indie author so i'm doing all my all the stuff diy well right now you're going out to like 160 something countries so you're uh, being you help, go. you're going all over like to australia and all these other places you're also going to canada Ooh, canada people like paranormal and Ghosts and goblins. Well, and, thank you, Canadians. I'm yeah. actually going to be going to Montreal in September. So. What are you going to be doing up there? Going to Quebec Death Fest. <sighs> you just going to all these cool places. <laughs> I'm stuck here in Tampa <laughs> with a with a car that doesn't drive. <laughs> My God, uh, Stephanie. Uh, let me let me one thing before yeah. I go. Let me uh, if. You have the chance. Well, actually, you do have this chance. You, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit back from the microphone, and I'm going to let you have a couple moments of words of wisdom and experience just to talk to the people out there in the world because they just want to know what's ticking in Stephanie's head. And if uh, you can just you know hip us to it and 
Let us know about horror or let us know about dreams or let us know about how to move on in life. Go ahead. Let it fly. All right. Well, um, well, the first thing I want to say is if there is anything you want to accomplish, you can do it. You just have to do it. You know, you may have to sacrifice time with friends, time with family, your career, whatever other priorities you have in life, but you, you can achieve it. And as far as words of wisdom and horror or, um, I would say just be you. Uh, there's a lot of different niches and genres in horror and, you know, just definitely be, um, how should I word this? Um, you should definitely, you know, create unique material. Don't create redundant stuff that we have seen over and over again but you know just don't be afraid to branch out and go crazy and think of new ideas and just don't be scared of what people think because i mean even sometimes i get a little nervous it's like i hope people like my book but you know just just do it just do it and you sound like a shoe commercial (laughs) <laughs> Why a shoe commercial? I don't know. I'm just throwing a shoe commercial out there. Uh, don't forget, on Monday, you got Aaron Hunter. That's uh, the man of the hour, the man with the power, the man that's too sweet to be sour. He does uh, real paranormal activity of the podcast. Ooh. And what he does is he basically, people write in their, their stories. Because a lot of people are really, you know, they hold that in. And they don't know how to explain it to people. Because people look at you differently when you experience the paranormal ghosts. Mm-hmm. Anything different. And uh, and it's an open format, so people could just sit there and talk. And it's actually, I think you should check Ooh, it out. Yeah, I sounds, think you'd really, yeah, sounds interesting. It's, it's the making of another book. There you it's go. A, it's a guy that does a podcast, and he reads all these stories, and then he starts getting haunted. Now, Aaron's going to kill me for saying that. Okay, don't forget on Tuesday. Actually, I don't think Aaron Friel's doing that. Aaron just moved, so I think he's going to finish moving before he brings out another show. And on Wednesday, uh, that's Terry's Mysterious Moments. I think Terry has a show coming out this week. And on uh, the beginning of the month, we have uh, two uh, paranormal shows that chase ghosts around. And it's actually a video show. We have video shows for a podcast. So, and actually you go to realparanormalactivity.com and you can check out any of these shows that are going on. Uh, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. So, uh, uh, anything? Last moments? What's uh, your digits? How, how, no, don't give me your digits because you'll have everybody calling you. <laughs> how can they get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you? Well, um, the best way to get in touch with me is Instagram. My handle is Stephanie Jensen Infernal. Um, that's, I'll just spell it out. S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-J-E-N-S-E-N-I-N-F-E-R-N-A-L. And all no dashes or underscores are all one word. Um, yep, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. And you could also check out my websites for what I do with uh, with metal uh, interviewing bands. That is InfernalTV.com. And then if you want to keep up with my books, then that my my uh, published author blog is InfernalHorror.com. Girl, you're just so busy. I'm a workaholic. It's who I am. Oh my God. 
I'm too old. I'm too old for this. <laughs> uh, don't forget. Uh, well, let me let me say it this way. Since you spelled yours, I'm going to spell mine. If you want to get in touch with me, that's Mr. Patrick Sean Jones. You could reach me at sandmanlullaby at gmail.com. Please write me. I, I love reading your writings, but please write me. That's a S-A-N-D-M-A-N-L-U-L-L-A-B-Y at gmail.com. Uh, Stephanie? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That, give me a deep one. Give me a... Thank you. That's, that was good. <laughs> See, I go like, thank you. <laughs> Sound all ghostly and evil and demonic. I'm not evil. I just, <laughs> I just, I just look that way. Uh, same time, same bat channel. You've been in the Sandman Lullaby. Ha, 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 ha.